Hi everybody, how's it going? Welcome to Bitchin' Brew, a podcast about music, life and everything in between. I'm your host Danny Randon and this is episode 37, part 1. Yes, we're coming at you for the first time in a while with a two-parter because I just went to 2000 Trees Festival. Now, I don't know if I've mentioned that on the podcast before, but that is what happened. I was there at 2000 Trees and I was just a little bit excited to be returning to Upcote Farm in the beautiful rolling hills of the Cotswolds for my third year in a row at Trees. It was obviously my second year going with Bitch and Brew, but my, my third year in a row of overall, and it is still just the best festival on the planet. The best bands, the best site, the best company, the best food and beer, as we'll get on to in a bit, and really just the best vibes all round. Um, also the best silent disco, as you might be able to deduce from the slight hoarseness of my voice. I've developed a bit of a husky charm vocally, and now well, now I just feel like a, a proper podcaster. So, um, so yeah, 2000 Trees was great. I think that that much is clear at this point. Um, and if you're a first-time listener, as a result of uh, picking up one of the flies that I left on the uh, stalls in the merch tent, then welcome aboard. You're an absolute fucking legend. Um, and obviously, not only did I get to go and watch some of my favourite bands on the planet right now at 2000 Trees this year, um, some of which we've had on the podcast before, but um, I got to speak to some of those bands and I'm extremely excited to be bringing you a handful of the chats that I have backstage with said bands in this episode of the podcast. In part one, which is what you're listening to right now, you'll hear me chatting with four bands, each of which felt like big talking points across the weekend. Uh, those bands are The St. Pierre Snake Invasion, Petrol Girls, Mull and Foxjaw. Um, next week, at this rate, probably next Monday, if you're listening to this when it's um, when it's hot off the press, I'll be bringing you part two of this tree special and that will have chats with three more bands which I'll tell you all about later on in this episode. Now before we get into the first conversation of this sort of smorgasbord of conversations, if you will, I want to give a little shout out to Purity Brewing Co, who were the uh, official beer partners of 2000 Trees this year and who were kind enough to hook me up with a bunch of delicious cans of their beer which me and my guest enjoyed while conversing now purity brewing co make delicious craft beer and they've been doing so since 2005 they're based in the heart of the beautiful warwickshire countryside but it feels like they have an awesome reputation as a brewery uh, across the country both both through their presence at music festivals and arts events um, but also just among beer lovers nationwide so i'm extremely grateful that purity hooked me up with some cans i would highly recommend them with or without the free beer um, so if you like your brewskis then head over to puritybrewing.com and pick up some great beer with real character right Let's crack on with the first chat of the 2000 Trees special, and we're kicking it off with an absolute doozy. On the first day at Trees, I sat down with Ren Aldrich, who is the brilliant front woman of the band Petrol Girls, um, not long after I saw them completely tear up the cave stage. Now, Petrol Girls, if you're not very well acquainted with them yet, are a feminist hardcore band formed in London uh, with members from Austria, Lithuania and the UK. They are 
pretty fresh from the release of their debut album Cut and Stitch, uh, which came out back in May via our good friends at Hassle Records. More on them later. Uh, you can go back and check out mine and Brad's review of the album on episode 5 of the Bitchin' Review. Um, little spoiler here, we both thought it was fucking brilliant, so I was really looking forward to meeting Ren and picking her brains about some of the album's themes. Um, I think I'll let my chat with Ren do the rest of the talking, literally. So uh, so let's get into it. This is Ren Aldridge from Petrol Girls, recorded backstage at 2000 Trees Festival. Um, right, okay, here we are. Well, um, that all sounds great, and especially the sound of a beer can opening, which is the best sound ever. Huh. Um, but uh, yeah, so cheers. Cheers. Chin chin. Thank you very much to uh, Purity Brewing Company for the lawless, unfiltered lager. I haven't had a sip yet. Mm, that's a. Uh... Oh, it's lovely. Yeah. Tell you what, that beats a fucking Foster's, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that really does. And there's a wicked goat on the can as well. I love the goat. I like this little chat. Yeah, and and like, you know, like it says, unfiltered lager. There is no filter on it. There we go. There's there no is... filter on me either. So let's see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am joined uh, by uh, Ren Aldridge from Petrol Girls. Welcome to Bitch and Brits. I'm so happy to finally have you on. Thanks. Um, you've you've just kind of come from the the milk tea slash nervous slash Petrol Girls dance party. Yeah, it's it just like of... one big dance party and kind of like we played in the middle, so it felt like we were playing in a cuddle. Yeah. I don't know, it was nice. You've, you've kind of just uh, come off of a massive tour with Milk Teeth, obviously supporting Ladis Beauty. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. even just looking on social media, it looked like there was this sort of overwhelming sense of, of community on that tour, just from what people were kind of, you know, the way people were sort of exchanging messages on um, on social media with one another and kind of bigging everyone up. Yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in a way that's kind of beyond the, the I suppose, what beyond the usual. Beyond <laughs> the obligation, if yeah, you will. Yeah, yeah. Um, is, is, that, is that sort of sense of community something you look for in kind of every tour? Is oh that... my god, it's essential. It's really, really important because, like, I think that what we do, like, um, or like what bands do, like the like primary political function of it is to foster community or a sense of community. That's like for me the core or the point of punk is to like create a community that can bring people together physically in like an actual real space where we can like, you know, know one another and relate to each other and like like begin to foster a sense of community that can then deal with all the political shit around us. Yeah. Like so community is vital. And like I I we've had such a great tour with them. Like Ladisby are absolutely lovely. Yeah. Like so supportive. Um, and Milk Teeth it was just absolutely awesome to be on the road with like, they, they are great like and you know what like Becky and M like particularly that they are two fucking inspirational women mm. like they are it, what they're doing is just incredible and like what they've challenged and like come out the other side of I think is really important and they, special they've really been through the they've really been through the ringer you know in, mm-hmm. in the last year or so yeah. so just seen them play earlier and just look like they're having fun and they've come out and they're smashing it oh they're crushing it for sure so absolutely lovely. i really need to get them back on the podcast at some point actually i suppose this is this is nothing uh, new for you either the kind of joining other people other people's bands on stage and kind of because i remember i saw you just like a few steps away from here a couple of years ago joining uh who are now cult dreams formerly known as kamikaze girls 
um, joining them on stage for their rendition of KG Go to the Pub. Yeah. So everything's kind of come full circle, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's fun and it's really cool that Lucinda's there because I did the I like did some guest vocals on the on the cult dreams album Mm. for that song at the time and then that i think that was the first time i ever did it live with them on stage and now lucinda sort of always gets different people to do guest vocals for that on stage which is just really fun and i just think it's nice isn't it like get different people on to do different bits i love doing touch me again today with like honestly so i I, I couldn't see the whole thing of your set because i can be kind of frantically going back and forth here but the 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 bit of your set i did see today the sort of the highlight touch me again was uh it was fucking brilliant honestly cool, I can't find you. any other words for it right now I was just kind of speechless from it I suppose I should say congratulations as well on the release of, of, of Cut and Stitch and the overall sort of reception it's been of it. wild people <laughs> yeah. really have, like it have it's you mad. had much of an opportunity to kind of reflect on uh, you know the, the sort of achievement of that record yet kind of not really like it's just a bit overwhelming like you know like and, and stuff like doing the like Made of Ale session that we did and, and yeah. my parents like calling me up and being like we sat round the radio <laughs> and like we were like oh we never thought that our daughter would be on on Radio 1 on a Sunday night or, or whatever it was like uh, like just stuff like that I think like suddenly like shakes it into perspective mm. and I just bumped into one of my old schoolmates here the other day like my mate Rory that I used to sit next to in English that plays in a wicked like really technical like kind of proggy band called Escher I was just chatting to him and it just really like swang it all into a perspective and I suddenly remembered like what I was like 10 years ago or whatever and it's just like oh my gosh like you don't notice the changes as they're happening but sometimes you meet people or think about things in the time context and like oh my gosh we've actually if I time travel back and told me that this would be what we would be doing and where we are now wouldn't have believed it yeah like no way like and that's really cool and like I think it is important to like take a moment to be like yeah we're doing all right one, one, one thing that I did notice from the record um, is, uh, and when we reviewed this as well on the Bitchin' Review, um, the, the sort of one element that felt enhanced from Talk of Violence was, was the sort of almost quite dark sense of humour within okay. the record. So, you know, it felt very dry and, and somehow very British as well. <laughs> um, you know, uh, the Up Yours line on Big Mouth, I think Yay! it's fantastic. And, and that kazoo chorus. Ends, I'm glad you, know, you like it. We had to fight to get that one on there. Oh, really? <laughs> we were like, I Tell think. Tell me more. No, 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 it's fine. Like, I think um, we really value having Joe in the band because we call him Joe Cool or, <laughs> or No York because like he's the one that I think I, we would be so deeply uncool or even more uncool if he wasn't in the band. Um, but he let us have that one, and I, like, you know, I think a lot of people appreciate it. I think it. I'm not even sure whose idea it was. It might have even been Pete's who was recording us. But it was just really fun to were do you, it. Were you all playing the kazoo? Did you all have to Everyone learn had it? Everyone had a go, yeah, it was great. Excellent. It was loads of fun. And it, it feels like you kind of need that sense of humour. You like do, to, though. You know, when you consider the themes of, of the record and those songs in particular. Absolutely. It feels like you need that to almost get through the day. Yeah, days. and you know what? Like, it, what really sort of changed my headspace with that, and I think that with the next record I'd like to push it further is like um the the band dream nails are like just so inspirational for me because they're like a feminist punk band that are like so much fun and like their balance of like joy and anger is like absolutely perfect and they're all like incredible people and like particularly like the front woman janie is doing just so much incredible like really important political work like feminist work 
and like I, I have so much respect for them and I just sort of really something we went on tour with them and something that I really took from it was like yeah the power of punk is it's irreverence like that's what like you know like the power of comedy the power of taking the piss like yeah. all of this kind of stuff like that really changes things like if you can you know like on a on the most basic level if you can make a tyrant into a laughing stock you've won yeah and like I think that kind of thing is really important and I don't think we pushed it very hard on this last record because do you know I was fucking depressed because it was winter and it was we literally finished the record on the darkest day of the year as the cold moon was rising for the winter solstice it was a metal as fuck but like <laughs> I also just suck at the winter and like I was finding it really hard to write lyrics that were like meaningfully hopeful while I was struggling mm. so much with just being so down um, and I really, really hope that with our next record, we can like really uh, find, yeah, more of that like irreverence and like taking the piss and just like joy in fighting back because like, yeah, it's hard and it's a struggle, but also isn't it fucking fun to kick back as well sometimes? Yeah. Like, and I think it's all like, it's all right to take some joy in that sometimes. Mm. What you're saying about recording in the winter, the only solution to that with recording the next album is record a live album at 2000 Trees next year <laughs> we'll see that would be fun. like the opposite of, of, of the miserable thing, be like, I, I'd be like I'm hammered this is us <laughs> <laughs> loads of fun um, one thing that I, I took from the record personally which I found was, was particularly important I uh, hope you don't mind me saying obviously you've always said that Petra Girls is a, is a feminist hardcore band mm-hmm. um, but something that I really took from the album is uh, that it looks at feminism within the, the sort of the bigger picture mm-hmm. of, of just marginalisation and, and mm-hmm. groups that are marginalised as, as a whole um, how, how important was that for you to kind of get that balance between sort of being a feminist band but talking about the bigger topic of, of marginalisation well it's, it's intersectionality isn't it it's understanding that like the experiences that I have as a, as, as a woman like um, I mean I'm like a white cisgendered woman like mm. I have a very particular experience but there's like no no maybe it's not intersectionality exactly according to the like sorry I've like literally like not that long ago came off doing my masters and oh, so wow. I'm like what did, you, re- what did you study? I did a masters of research in creative practice and it, I just really really wanted to do it so so badly because I just like I've never li- really like read any theory like properly like I went to art school and that but like you don't really you know, and you do a bit but you don't do like loads yeah. you know like and uh, like I wanted to learn more about like feminist theory and like post-colonialism and like queer theory and all of this stuff and it was fucking banging I had the best time course leader was an absolute legend like it was really really cool up in Glasgow but um no intersectionality I guess is more to do with like um like oh no I'm not going to go into like a long in-depth description of intersectionality <laughs> from like an academic point of view when I'm this pissed but like I think <laughs> I, like, that's, not the time. that's more to do with like people with like multiple intersection like layers of oppression but I guess in terms of like reaching out to like other marginalised voices it's more to do with like drawing links and I guess what we're talking about in like cut and stitch like one of the things we're talking about is like drawing things together like you know so like as you would sew together things in a patchwork like all of our experiences can be like like drawn together like there are parallels and obviously yeah. there are differences and those differences are really important and differences don't divide us mm. they, they make us they make us stronger I think difference is really important but also I think 
you, we have to expand out and reach out to each other and be like, look, yeah, I'm marginalized in this way, you're marginalized in that way. Isn't it shit that both of us are made to be quiet or like we have to be quiet and, and polite and nice as we move through the world? Otherwise, like we're gonna be hit back at in a different way. And actually yeah. one of the, I, I wrote my dissertation about voice um, and like the politics of voice. And like one of the like key, like um, sort of conclusions that I came to was to do with um, hegemony or the dominant political structure that we're under. Sorry, this is hilarious. We're li- literally at a festival. Um, but like the like like under like um, hegemony, like um, marginalised groups are like allowed or like uh, deference to that hegemony is allowed as long as it's contained. And like it made me realise like how and I interviewed like loads of really interesting people, including Jacob V. Joyce, who they are an incredible artist and they also front like this queer anti-colonial band called Screaming Toenail. Amazing interview with them. They were awesome. And they were pointing out their experience as um, like a person of colour and how they are expected to behave themselves all the time. And, you know, like they said something like, oh, you know, like, yeah, don't like don't be loud like don't be noisy don't be messy don't be this don't be that don't be punk basically and I was like wow that is like so true of so many experiences for like different marginalized groups and I guess that was like something that was like really like at the forefront of my mind when we were writing Big Mouth which Jacob actually ended up contributing to the chorus lyrics for um in terms of this like lyric of like voices of the marginalized tolerated when we remain quiet bodies of the marginalized tolerated under their control like yeah we're allowed as long as we're like quiet and polite and nice and then like as soon as like someone that's in a marginalized group speaks up they're shouted down like so fast like you know like the whole me too movement is receiving like such a backlash like friends who are asylum seekers and things like that this whole thing about like good immigrants and like you know good refugees versus like blah blah like all of this shit is bullshit like and yet like the most privileged people in our society are allowed to behave however they fucking want and when they're allowed it's righteous like I think there's like a really big like uh, like difference between the way like marginalised groups are, are treated like compared to like more dominant people in society and I like I yeah I just recognised a kind of like sonic containment and it's yeah like like that um quote from polystyrene like some people think little girls should be seen and not heard oh is that from polystyrene yeah yeah, yeah it's from polystyrene oh fantastic. yeah yeah and then she's like but i think oh bondage up yours but we had to cut the old bondage out to make it fit in like the bit of the song uh, but i really wanted to use that quote because like you know she is a fucking absolute icon like i went to that exhibition of hers down in well obviously like she's passed on but like the retrospective um, about her and her life down in Herne Hill near Brixton in London like just had like literally like 30 minutes in there in the middle of tour but like she is an incredibly again massively overlooked iconic punk figure you know she's like a woman of colour like in the early days of the punk scene like fighting back and she took that some people think little girls should be seen or not heard and was like fuck off and I'm like oh my god that like I mean in a way it's sad that that still has so much relevance but like it's so like it's so it's just so spot on and like I think this idea of being seen and not heard is like true of it's true for a lot of different people that are marginalised in different ways it's yeah. like yeah okay you're allowed to be here but don't make a fuss about it yeah you know well, even like, like the, the song Talking Tongues you know uh, it, it was just so special to me as like you know again a white cisgendered man who you know has their experiences with anxiety and depression but sure. sometimes you know one, one kind of feels like okay 
you know, I, I am going through this shit that, you know, so many other people are just going through so, so much worse shit that, yeah. you know, maybe I just shouldn't bring attention to it. No, I think it's good As, to uh, talk almost, about Almost stuff. like Marston, you know. Yeah, but I think that, uh, like, something that we're really trying to push is I think, like, uh, men, especially speaking to other men about their feelings, is, like, such an important and radical thing. Mm. Because, like, women and non-binary people, like, we do a lot of emotional labour, like, looking after men and their feelings. Yeah. And yet, I think a lot of men are perfectly capable of looking after each other. And they don't fucking talk to each other about what's going on. And it's like, guys, like, you're having the same experience. Like, talk about it with each other. It's like, like, let's get rid of all this macho, like, you know, silent yeah. bullshit like it's really important because it damages men like and you know male suicide rates are fucking high They're, you yeah, know ridiculous. and I think a lot of that is to do with like patriarchal expectations of men to be like silent and strong and all this shit but like speak to each other it's okay to be vulnerable I think it's more strong and more powerful to be open like I was I was brought up with like you know like by both my parents but like my dad cries openly when he like reads sad books or watches sad films and I think that's awesome yeah, and strong and important and I think that you know men should be able to feel free to to cry and all of this kind of stuff so you know we've got two men in our band and we just wanted to address some feminist issues from that other angle yeah. because like all of us need to be part of destroying patriarchy yes benefit men benefit from it in a lot of ways and i don't think we should forget that that there is like a power dynamic there mm. but like patriarchy is so fucking damaging for men like and and i think it's that it's it sucks. yeah and i think it's really important to to put that point across and to be like it's in everyone's interest to destroy this like stupid gender binary system of all bullshit way of understanding ourselves it's fucked yeah <laughs> completely fucked yeah it really is um, it feels almost weird to kind of go from that that quite deep conversation into <laughs> what have you um, got <laughs> uh, well uh, we, we're doing a thing um, uh, with all the bands this weekend called the Bitchin' Question Generator right um, because we're here at 2000 Trees um, I'd like to ask you to uh, pick a number between 1 and 2000 um, 7,342 between one and two thousand. Oh my god. <laughs> Seven hundred and twenty-six. Okay, this is a weird one. I almost. Um, well, the question is, how many chickens would it take to kill an elephant? I think this depends, and I think one very well-placed chicken could do a lot of damage. <laughs> <laughs> this feels like a more appropriate drunk festival conversation, doesn't it? I mean, well, if we really think about this, uh, I just think about, I think it's just all about how you use your chickens, ultimately. Yeah. And I think you could do it with one, you just have to do it well. Yeah, exactly. Well, don't kill elephants, they're cool. No, elephants are great. <laughs> I, felt, I felt a bit weird, like I was like, oh, should I really do it? Um, now, before you go, sorry, one more thing. You're going on tour across the UK in September, um, in including the greatest venue in the world, the Joiners in Southampton. There we go. Um, I think I think it's a real classy touch, by the way, that you've uh, added like a limited run of like initial tickets for uh, a fiver. 
Um, yeah, but I, we, we, it's really important to us that our yeah. concerts are always affordable. Mm. Like that's like that's the goal of that. And you know what? Like if anyone's like super fucking skint and literally like can't spare a few quid to get in, we'll get you in. Like so one way or another. Like you know, we need people to pay to come to the shows for us to sustain ourselves as a band. But like you know, I don't want to end up just paying to playing to like posh twats. Like. Like we want to make yeah, sure that everyone that? everyone can get in always. So that, that that's the idea with that, and I hope that people like have respected to like leave the five pound tickets for people that really need them. How is that for a kickoff? Thanks to Ren Aldridge from Petrol Girls for her time and her insight. A musician and a woman who I who I have a lot of respect and time for. And we will definitely look to get her back on the podcast when they tour the UK in September. Make sure you go and get yourself a ticket for, for that now. And, um, and like we said, if you are low on the dollar, um, it's okay because Petrol Girls do have a limited number of tickets available to their shows for just £5. So yeah, get on that and be sure to listen to their new album, Cut and Stitch, which is out now on Hassle Records. Um, one additional thing which I did want to mention, and, and I'll keep this brief, um, is uh, and we didn't get a chance to bring this up during the interview. Sorry, Ren, if you are listening. Uh, Petrol Girls are currently raising money uh, to cover legal costs for Solidarity Not Silence, which is a group of women defending themselves against a defamation claim made by a man in the music industry for statements that they made concerning his treatment of women. The group includes an ex-partner, of, of said man and uh, several feminist musicians, including Ren and the Petrol Girls Gang. So uh, if you want to help towards their, their legal costs, uh, they have 27 days left at the time of releasing this podcast. And uh, they probably have just under 10 grand left to raise of their uh, their 32 grand target. Um, I will leave a link in the description of this episode to their crowd justice page, should you wish to make a donation. Uh, you are listening to part one of the 2003 special of Bitch and Brew, and next up, I have a chat with two members of a band we've long been bigging up for a little, for, for certainly for a little while at least, on the podcast, and, uh, and rightly so, if you ask me. The band is called Mull. Uh, they are a shoegaze metal band from uh, Denmark and they played the new stage on Saturday. Their debut album, which is called Jod, uh, came out last year via Holy Raw Records. It was incredible. Um, both Brad and I had it as one of our top albums of 2018. And they've just re-released their first two EPs, appropriately titled One and Two, as one package release. And it's really interesting to listen back to and hear the precursor to, to George. So go and, go and check that out. I'd, I'd never seen the band live before um or even or even met them uh but i was i was stoked to meet up with two of Merle's members uh their names are kim song sternkoff and uh nikolai hansen they are on vocals and guitars respectively and they're just the nicest fucking guys which will become clear to you in just a matter of seconds so yeah without further ado let's return to 2003s and have a chat with kim and nikolai from Merle.
So, uh, Kim and Nikolai from Mo, welcome to Bitch and Brew. Cheers. 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 Mm. What's, what's Danish? Oh, oh uh, Skål. 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 Yes, exactly. Um, I, I originally thought uh, that you were from uh, Copenhagen, uh, but you're actually from, is it Aarhus? Aarhus. Aarhus. Aarhus, yes. Okay. Um, is it, is it, I've only ever been to Copenhagen before. Mm. So is it a particularly large city at all? It's uh, the it's second, second largest city. Yeah. And okay. it's actually featured on Lonely Planet as one of the small Scandinavian gems that you have to visit. Really? Yeah, we were like uh, the European cultural capital in 2017, right? And then, uh, yeah got a lot of attention since then so you know when you go to Denmark don't go to Copenhagen go to Aarhus I, I, I love I loved Copenhagen yeah. we, went, we went in March so it was I mean it was really cold mm-hmm. <laughs> like even colder than the UK but um, what what surprised me was so quiet and so uh, clean and it's the capital city like you compare that to London yeah. and it's just like night and day really um, but no, so um, with Aarhus, is there is what's the situation with the music scene there? Is there was there a lot of heavy bands that you could kind of initially play with coming up through the coming up through the scene? I think the scene is growing. There are some Aarhus metal bands that kind of established themselves early on. Yeah, Hate Sphere, and Ildispose at one point. And uh, but but I think there's like a whole new roster of great bands actually coming from Denmark and from Aarhus as well yeah like uh, based they played in London and they just toured with uh, decapitated oh, and wow. uh, on tune yeah fantastic yeah and uh, like from from Copenhagen like our friends in cabal uh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah as well and uh, so I think it's been quite a long time yeah. since the scene has been this strong in Denmark yeah 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 I mean, um, it just seems like the most beautiful place to kind of foster creativity. <laughs> all, all of the, I, I, I wish I could. I've, I wish I could say that I've seen more of Scandinavia, but um, yeah, what I have seen is fantastic. So, um, congratulations on everything that's come your way in the last year. Thank you. Um, you've obviously just had the re-release of the EPs one and two, mm-hmm. um, which was done again by Holy Raw. Yeah. Which. I personally think Holy Raw, and we we um, we have a bit of a reputation on the podcast for basically just mentioning Holy Raw in every episode at this point, <laughs> and it essentially sounds like we're just blowing them. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it really does feel like the best label on the planet. Well, right there's now. a reason to blow them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, re- revisiting those EPs, would you say that you kind of uncovered or learned? anything about yourselves either as like individual musicians or just like collectively as a band i think we've of course it kind of displaced the journey that we've taken both on the member side uh, where we had stefan uh, previously on the vocals and also uh, johan on on bass mm. which kind of they both uh, quit the band uh, we agreed that they should not participate sure. in the band anymore and then um, we got Kim in and uh, Holger on bass but also I think more importantly it kind of displaced the journey musically mm. uh, from uh, the first two EPs uh, to your and I think we've kind of refined the formula and it's yeah. become more sort of um, I think it was clear. maybe a bit what really got me hooked uh, when you first pitched some of the new numbers and stuff like that uh, and the, the old stuff as well uh, was the uh, like how you can combine this like ethereal you know melodic 
uh, atmospheres with just sheer ferocity, and I, I really like that because I've I've not I I, I don't think I've um, it's not many bands from from Denmark that that does that kind of thing where they can you know equally play for an indie crowd and get them excited and yeah. at the same time get those diehard. Uh, Black or death metal fans up and running. So, so were you going to a lot of metal shows personally before you before you joined the band? I've played in several bands before, mm. and I originally came from like death metal and hardcore. Right. Uh, so I think you can see that in my live show as well. Like, yeah. it, I, I I really I get off on all the energy and the yeah. thing that you can you know uh, the experience you can have together with an audience. Yeah. Uh, and. Um, I think at first, like, because Stefan was a different kind of vocalist uh, than I was, than, than I am. Yeah. Um, the uh, what I really liked about his way of, of performing was his uh, his way of just sinking into his own world and just mm. uh, being an introvert at, on stage yeah. and still kind of have this power or kind of have uh, the uh, the way of like uh, grabbing people's attention. Without, like, yeah, uh, beating them senseless. Yeah. Well, uh, what, but what I've heard about, I'm very excited to see you live for the first time today, and because I've heard a lot about you kind of taking things to that whole other level of intensity, kind of quite the opposite to what Stefan was doing, I suppose. Um, one one review I was listening to a different podcast, the Metal Hammer podcast. Shout those guys yeah. out; they're fantastic. Oh yeah. Um, I think the the line they said was you were basically just screaming in people's faces at that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was. I when tend you, to do that. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you like the idea of just creating this sort of unsettling atmosphere? Yes. Uh, I with your live show. What I really like to be is kind of on the edge of myself, mm. or at one point like. Uh, but it's so weird because. Uh, this this space that we create when we when we perform like it's I think it's the optimum state of like flow because mm. I lose sense of time and space in, in that point uh, and um, but also knowing that there's a synergy be between the audience and you like that's just something that I'm really I think I'm really comfortable in being in that in, in that atmosphere in that, pre yeah. that presence so I know the kind of can the kind of uh, control that you have as a frontman and that you have to take control of that situation and you can demand something of the audience and like uh, without you know forcing things down on them and just yelling like marsh pit marsh pit marsh yeah. pit you know open this room up yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, you, I don't know want any of that because that breaks the atmosphere yeah because like the we we do make Music that's uh, catering to some some of you know you you could close your eyes and just lose yourself yeah. in that, but in a live setting, I read I like to um, that this genre has the reputation of having really downplayed and really uh, like introvert guys standing mm. up and looking kind of uncomfortable on stage. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm quite yeah, rooted on yeah, the stage. I'm, I'm the opposite of that. <laughs> Like I couldn't, I really had a hard time the first, uh, I think the first month or so about how how, how how am I supposed to conduct myself on stage because yeah. I 
I feed off that energy. Like it, it, it's what it, what makes me rowdy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, like, but finding myself and finding myself in in the band, I think, as a member as well, and in our life setting, that's something that's I think grown on all of us. Um, yeah. So it's nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, sp- well, speaking of the the live show, you're back over here in uh, October. Uh, supporting on a run of dates with Rivers of Mihill. Yeah. Um, and you're nominated for Best International Breakthrough Band yeah. at yeah. the Heavy Music Awards, which we were saying earlier, um, it's kind of it's it's quite in its sort of infancy. It's only been around for the last three years. It's become such an institution for heavy mm. music in the UK though. So how does it feel to get that level of recognition from the Heavy Music Awards? Sick. <laughs> yeah, sick. Yeah. I don't really know what to say because it kinda of came as a surprise and we yeah. don't really know in, in Denmark, you know, living in Denmark and not being able to follow the mm. the UK um, metal community, what it actually means, at least for me personally, yeah. that can be a bit difficult. Yeah, like so. it's it, it's a poster, and you see it, and you're nominated, and you know it's like okay, while we just got another nomination, and we opened a, a mainstream music uh, award show this. During winter, in during Denmark. winter in yeah. Denmark, and yeah, that. I saw that actually. You looked like you were struggling to stay on the stage yeah. for that <laughs> one. Yeah, that's such an awkward uh, yeah. sort of you know, the context. And, yeah, you know, people sitting in their chairs and, and yeah, yeah, you playing this really energetic music and uh, you get no response <laughs> no. whatsoever. It's a bit like um, like when uh, Foo Fighters back in like the late 90s when they put out there's nothing left to lose and they won like three Grammys for that record yeah. <laughs> and they just turned up in t-shirts and jeans and they were just like looking out at the crowd everyone's wearing like diamonds oh, yeah. and tuxedos yeah. and Dave Grohl's just like I bet this is the only album that wins this year that was made in a basement oh you know? <laughs> uh, yeah but it's kind of breaking through and, and sort of uh, shocking the system a little bit I suppose it's okay like you know <laughs> I think none of us really expected anything like grand to come out of it, mm. but we're like we really love the music that we play. Yeah, and I think that's the, the you know the first thing you have to enjoy making music, yeah. and playing, and being five guys in the band yeah. and uh, sleeping together in a small room uh, when you're yeah. on tour. So I think that comes first, that you have to you know, kind mm. of be comfortable in that and like doing that, and then all the other stuff comes on. Yeah, so hopefully you make it and you. Get acknowledged for it. Uh, kind of pays off. So um, be- before you go today, uh, I must ask you. Um, uh, obviously, being here at 2000 Trees, um, that you pick a, a question from our uh, bitching question generator, which I've lost the piece of paper for. There we go. Um, so uh, yeah, obviously being here at 2000 Trees, I'm going to need you to pick a number between one and 2000. You pick. Me? Yeah, Kim, Kim go uh, first. Okay, okay. Nikolai, we can do one separately. Uh, okay. Can we take 666 or something? Yes, because like yeah. you're the first band to do it okay. this weekend. Yeah. I okay. did this last year, yeah. and everyone picked 666. Okay. I wrote 20 questions. That means there's not enough metal bands here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I did make this one sort of particularly sort of metal, to okay. be honest. Um, so let's say. Merle gets lost in the forest. As a band, you're all kind of going on a forest hike and you just get totally lost. Oh, we have we have been lost in a forest in Luxembourg at one point at our last tour with with, with Ghost Path. Yeah. Oh wow, so, that must have been yeah. 
quite an intense experience. Yeah, at least it was daytime, so it was. Yeah. Found our way back. So, so who is the most likely to kind of become the the survival expert and start making making the nest and be like? We've got a guy over here called Bear Grylls. I don't know if he's big in Denmark at all, but he's yeah, like the... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who's, who's the most likely to become the Bear Grylls of the group? Well, Holger? Holger. Holger, yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Our yeah. logistics guy, he always makes up a quick solution in our yeah. places. Yeah. Very organized and he knows what has to happen and what we have to do and when we have to do it. And, um, Good, he's, ha- good he's, to have a guy like that. He's yeah. the youngest member, right? The youngest member. He's the younger mem- youngest member, and he's acting like the oldest yeah. and the most. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's a good guy to have in the band. Yeah. Fair enough. And uh, Nikolai, do you want to pick another number? Let's go with uh, number nine. Number nine. Uh, obviously, we are surrounded by quite a lot of trees. This is a very um, idyllic place in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the one thing you wish could grow on trees? If it wasn't leaves, what would you like instead? The obvious thing would be money, of course. Hundred dollar beers, yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good for a band. Of course, then maybe the value of money would deteriorate. So yeah, yeah hyperinflation. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's actually so, uh, pretty bad. Choose something else. Apricots? No, oh, they grow on trees. <laughs> I kind of like passion fruits. Passion fruits on yeah. trees. That'd be very nice. What? But aren't they growing on trees? Probably, but they should go on all trees. Oh, on all trees. Every tree is a passion yeah. fruit. Then tree. it's not an exotic fruit anymore. <laughs> then it doesn't have to be that expensive, and they don't have to export it from ah, yeah. wherever okay. they get it from. That's, you're thinking purely logistically. Exactly. Here. I want to grow a vinyl. Yeah. Vinyl tree. Oh yeah, vinyl tree. It would just melt in the sun though. Yeah, exactly. You'd just like, oh, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Let's play this. <laughs> <laughs> So awesome to chat there with Kim and Nikolai from Mull. Just the nicest guys. You may not think it, you know, when you hear their music, but let me tell you, even if they make the most menacing sounds, 90% of the time, they're they're all just kind souls. It's it's really the ones making the inoffensive music that you that you need to look out for. Um, Mull's uh, first two EPs, one and two, have been combined into a new release. It's out now on Holy Rule Records, who are quite good. It has been said on Bitch and Brew many times before. And um, also make sure you go and check out the debut album, Jod, if you haven't done so yet, because it is an absolute blinder. Um, as we mentioned in the chat, uh, Mull are also coming back over to the UK in less than a month for Arctangent Festival. Uh, and then they'll be touring across the UK and mainland Europe, supporting Rivers of Nihil. I found out that I mispronounced it during the chat. It's Nihil, not Nihil. Um, and that's happening in September and October. Um, now, you may be wondering why I'm kind of holding off on saying anything in particular about the sets that I saw at 2000 Trees this year. And that is because I'm going to be recording a special 2000 Trees edition of the Bitchin' Review 
Um, as ever with my very handsome co-host Brad Thorne, we'll be chatting about all the bands that we saw across Trees Weekend, and it was a lot of bands. Um, however, I am actually off on holiday this week, and we haven't really found the chance to meet up and record that review yet, so it's going to have to wait a minute just until I'm back from holiday. Um, but that's cool because I need the fucking time off at this point. Um, I've been working myself into the ground. So um, so at least there's another reason to subscribe to Bitchin' Brew now on whatever podcast platform you use so you can check out the review as and, as and when we record it. But it will be coming soon, I promise you. Uh, right, next chat, and we're jumping back to the Thursday of 2000 Trees and to a band who were probably, for a lot of people, myself included, were the, the first band of the weekend, and that band is Foxjaw. They are an alternative rock four-piece from Bristol, although I feel alternative rock is, is probably way too vague a term for what Foxjaw actually do. Um, they played the new stage on Thursday. Uh, now, we were talking about Hassle Records earlier. Foxshaw are really fresh off the release of their second EP, A Playground for Sad Adults. Uh, it was really cool getting to know the guys over the weekend, including their bassist and lead singer Danny Garland and their guitarist Alex Share, who you'll be hearing from in a minute. Um, it seemed like they were up for a good time, so a good time we bloody well had. Uh, on that note, let's dive in. This is Danny and Alex from Foxjaw backstage at 2000 Trees. Oh, I see I you're wearing a t-shirt with the rock on, man. You, you're into your like full action. I yeah, I love my pro wrestling. You're a man of action. Much, much to my, much to my other half chagrin. Um, <laughs> it's all about Triple H. Let's, let's keep it real, man. Yeah, oh, he's taken. Triple H. <laughs> What's this tune? It's time to play the game. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, um, cheers, everyone. Thank, thank you. Thank you very much to Purity Brewing Company for the, uh, for yeah. the free bit. We've all gone for Thank the. Thank you very uh, much, Jerry. Uh, we've all gone for the bunny hop, the unfiltered pale ale. Oh, yeah. pale ale is where it's at. Like, yeah. it's too thin. Definitely. You want a bit of body. And in your too drink. bubbly, man. Yeah. It's just made it's just gas filled up on bubbles. Fuck, yeah, yeah. Nah, ale's the, the way. Well, cheers, everyone. Cheers. Cheers, lad. Oh, clink. Cheers, Cans cheers, don't lad. really clink, but I, I just remembered while I was fingering my bag a minute ago. I think it's <laughs> some sunglasses. On As you do. <laughs> There's some sunglasses. I've got these like special People shapes. pick up on the audio. They'll be like, those guys are wearing shit. <laughs> yeah, this is it. This they can they can look at the artwork and just see like, we'll take a picture at the end. And... Oh good, oh good. We'll definitely be wearing the shit. Yeah. Like, what do you reckon for this interview? There's no filming. There's no filming, Dan. There's no filming? I know, but this is like... Oh, to get a vibe. It's to get an energy. I reckon, I feel like that. Yeah. I feel those today, man. Yeah, yeah, the, the green sunglasses. They're yeah. t- almost quite Cobain-esque, I would yeah. say. Both, yeah. I like that. They're fantastic. Kurt, yeah. Kurt oh Lennon. yes. Yeah. Now we're talking. Um so Danny and Alex uh, from Foxshaw, welcome welcome to Bitch and Brew and welcome to, to Two Thousand Trees. Oh, oh man, thank you, man. so much. Um, loving it, loving it. Speaking of bubbles earlier, you had a you had a lovely glass of bubbly on stage earlier to celebrate. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, you had a who who was it that came and, and poured that for you in the rather fetching tux? He's, he's a very good friend of ours, Georgie. He plays at a band called Mother Vulture. Oh and yes, they're fucking awesome. If you like rock that's classic and done well, yeah. Um, 
that's the band to check out. Incredible the guitarist energy. as well. The guitarist all is them, so good. He's, he all reminds me of like Wilco Johnson. He's got this like stage presence that is just I don't know. He, the way he dresses and the way he performs is so fucking seventies. It's so real. I does he it. do like the machine gun thing like Wilco does? Um, no, he's he's more like fucking Angus Young to be fair. But like, yeah. he's he's got I don't know. He just reminds me of Wilco Johnson. I don't know why. It's just the way he's kind of static in a way, but really full of energy, but static. Mm. How does that make any sense? You, I you, didn't know. <laughs> I tell you what, I tell you what, fucking bringing out the uh, the champagne. It was like half time during a game. Do you know what I mean? And, oh, like, yeah, yeah. Get a chance to re energize, man. That's the one time during a Fox just set where we've like just yeah. stopped making noise, had a breather, caught my breath. I think we needed yeah. that, man. It yeah, was like absolutely. a little. Like, yeah, little, who needs water? Little half time. You know, nah, nah. Yeah. Exactly. Get, get those bubbles fizz, up with every fizzy syllable. Fizzy grape water. Fizzy rotted grape water. <laughs> <laughs> These are nice grapes. Shall we rot them? It's weird being human, isn't it? It is what weird being human. We are, are we fucking on? weird, are we aren't we? Like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, Shall we get this back onto some sort of topic, I yeah, suppose? Okay, 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 uh, which never happens on Bitchin' Brew, but we'll go with it. I mean, you guys are sort of barely a week on now uh, from the release of um, A Playground for Sad Adults. Uh, yeah. Congratulations, by the way. Oh, thank, thank you. you thanks, man. How how have the last sort of few days been for you? Because I, I think what a lot of bands have is it's the stress leading up to the release, and then once Absolutely. it's out, it's kind of big yeah. sort of sigh of relief. I was saying to the guys, I feel like I've been having an out of body experience since the records come out. Like you're just you're, like you feels like you're looking into it for the whole time you're recording it, the whole time it's being mixed, the artwork, everything. As soon as it's out. It's just like, I don't know, you step back and you can actually listen to it like a yeah, member of the public, totally. not like you're part of it. I don't know, it's uh, you, like it does. It's not yours anymore when, when you release it. Yeah. And it's, uh, I, I think this yeah. record is um, very different to anything we've ever done before because it's introducing Alex, our new guitar player. Oh, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, so who my, who my first does vocals on oh, it. Brilliant. And he, like, he actually came up with the title of Playground for Sadouts as well. He mm. actually, where, did, where did that come from? We were, well, I don't know where we were, we were driving, driving across into. a bridge in uh, yeah. Wells and there was this like structure. It's an old most, bridge, you know, like, like kind of modern, kind of. Um, it was like brutalist. Modern at the it was time. like brutalist. It was like yeah. brutalist. Yeah. It was all grey and flat and dirty and just like like I won't name the town. You know, no offence. <laughs> yeah. We know love you, Wales. We love yeah. you. <laughs> but we were just driving in all a bit sort of hungover in the van, and yeah, yeah. It, and like, it was the perfect title to. I remember he said it. He said this is like a playground for sad adults, and it was like me and Josh looked, looked at each other and went. You're a last snap. fucking dude. Snap. Yeah, and it's that that record is is full of depression and, and a lot of real heavy themes. Yeah. Mm. So it, it's a real perfect title and it ties in with the, the artwork and everything that we did around it. Yeah. It's that Absolutely. period for Fox Show, you know what I mean? It it, it does yeah. yeah, yeah. It creates um for me like it creates a sort of really eerie and unsettling musical experience, really? I suppose. Yeah, yeah. And um do you think it was a, a sort of a conscious decision to kind of have that atmosphere around yeah. your sound? That's very much like us right now, what we're doing right now. Like every record is going to change, but we're. I think I'm a big fan of like B movie horror movies and fucking yeah, that yeah. kind of sketchy, weird vibe. I, I want people to look at our band and go, "What the fuck is going on?" You know? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, then, but then we've also got really pretty, like pop and emotional pop moments. So, like, it's like the Wizard of Oz, Wizard of Oz, if the Wicked Witch of the West like actually won and yeah. took over the place. Yeah. So isn't, it's magic and it's, basic, yeah. it's freedom, but it's just covered in darkness. Man. Isn't that yeah. basically just Wicked the Musical? Wicked the Musical. That's what, yeah, I believe that, so. That is it. That's, the, that's that the only is, West End show I've ever seen. I only know actually. that from. I've never uh, seen only that. that I'd love like, to see that. It's a great show. I'd love to see Cats as well. That's a lot. I watched Cats on acid. 
Because everyone's like cats. I don't really get it. It's a bit. It's a weird one. I want to go in there and be like, right, tripping balls. I want to be like, this is fucking weird. What you want to do? You want to watch someone giving birth on acid? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it pretty amazing without the acid? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't well, know, on yeah, acid, yeah, mate. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. a little person coming out of there. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the release of, um, you know, leading up to the release of, of this yeah. new EP, kind of came yeah. with the news that you're the latest signing to Hassle Records. Yeah. Um, it, it really feels like there's a sort of a movement of bands with that label in its own right right now. You know, you went, you guys went on tour with Pagan, and they've Brilliant. got Press Club and Petrol Girls, and Brutus. yeah, 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 yeah Brutus, yeah, fuck, yeah. amazing, and yeah. you know, Lone they're Brave. my favourite on the label. I think Brutus, Brutus and Pagan, are yeah. two bands that, like I really connect with. Pagan. Are fucking like they're like catchy disco oh, pop music yeah, with black black metal beats yeah. and metal as fuck and they are like we went on tour with them and I gotta say oh. they are fucking rock and roll they are literally what rock and roll is about absolutely they man. every single night they're just fucking they're and, and they they picked us up you know what I mean it's a lush to be on a tour where the energy around the people just fucking get you vibes mm, you know absolutely I mean? man. Um, yeah, we, we had uh, Dan and Sav on the uh, on the podcast back at Slam Dunk, and they yeah, are yeah. as 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 they would probably call us. They are sick cunts. <laughs> you just oh, you guys are sick cunts. <laughs> what yeah. is this country? Was a Danny yeah. thing. <laughs> what is this? What I'm gonna pizza get a pizza? Palette. I just want a fucking pizza. He's <laughs> in Bristol. He's trying to get pizza. They couldn't fucking get a pizza, so we were gonna like. Put a poster pizza through their letterbox to Domino's because he couldn't get it because they weren't open, but they were said they were open, but they weren't. So he was gonna fucking get a pizza lies. palace and get a fucking pizza and post it through the fucking letterbox. That's that's pagan for you, man. <laughs> Mate, when we first went on tour with them, like this is when I'd only been in the band a couple of months. Um, yeah, I've been like sofa surfing for a few months. I had to like sell a few bits of gear and shit. And I had this like crappy little pedal board, like tipped out this Sports Direct bag, like. And uh, they walked past. They're like, "Mate, that pedal board's fucking wrong, mate." And, like now that word, we are getting that word into the English. Like any of the listeners, yeah, if something gronk, if something's a bit gronk. sort of like oh, a bit dodgy looking, it's wrong. Um, spe- speaking of, uh, of brilliant bands that you've been on tour with, you are yeah. going on tour supporting uh, Black Peaks yeah, yeah, yeah. in, in yeah. mainland Europe. Uh, get well soon, Will, yeah. from Black Peaks, oh, if mate. you are listening, oh, by the my way. God, dude, One of the yeah, best yeah. fucking vocalists mm. in the UK in rock music. He really took 100%. Danny under his wing as well, man. Like, I learned great, so man. much yeah. from being on tour with him. Yeah. Like, really, like, my shows have improved so much. That's a, a guy that is like, prof- he's like professional as fuck yeah. the way he preps before he goes on like his whole routine yeah. he's, he's so focused mm. totally. I like fucking Rush I find black people like Rush you know Yeah, yeah like yeah. when we went on tour of them it was almost like Kiss and Rush on tour when Rush and Kiss went on tour together you know what I, I mean? didn't even it's, know they went on tour they, together they went on tour together and it's like <laughs> might be one of those tours that was like what a contrast you know what I mean you have Kiss Courtney Love went on to a fucking Marilyn Manson. What the fuck? Who booked what that shit, fuck? man? Yeah, that got cancelled after like a week, man. Oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got yeah. Is this going to be well, your first first tour outside of the UK? Yeah, Sorry. yeah, yeah. No, it's all good. Yeah, 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 yeah. For all of us. All and of I us. can't wait because I've never been to Germany in my life, and like to go to Germany under these circumstances. And, yeah. Um, and uh, the I love fucking love German people. I just you get a lot of German press, man. Yeah. I feel like the EP is like, we- like wait weirdly me. resonating with the with the German people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like heavy rock and I like it hard, like we do. Yeah. Have you got some time to like go and see the sights out in Germany, or is it quite? Uh, I've got, got the dates in front we, of me. We've so. got some days off. Um, we're, we're gonna have a big one in Berlin. So yeah, if yeah. Any uh, listeners are out in Berlin and want to come and, and get a bit naughty. <laughs> you know where we're at. Yeah. <laughs> come see the Fox Boys. You've come very close to Mike. It's almost <laughs> as if you're about to start doing like an ASMR thing. 
I need like another mic set up and you just yeah, like yeah, yeah. do the most sort of sordid whispering. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Sorry. <laughs> Um, I mean, you know, surely at this point uh, you're kind of looking ahead to, to creating sort of a, a full-length body of work. Is that yeah. sort of the plan yeah. next? Well, I don't we're, know we're, how much we can... Yes. No, no, we can fucking... Yeah, do, yeah great. Like, um, we're doing an album which we're recording in September and uh, it's mostly written. I'm still working on a lot of the lyrics for it. Mm. But there's quite a few, I'd say half of it is like fully written. And um, it's, it's, it's such a fucking great record. It's, it's really 70s like rock. It's got some sax, like, it's Foxhall going in a really different direction with this. It's like the, it's got almost an anthemic, like, the pure uh, Joy Division vibe to it. It's almost yeah. it's very, like, like you hear on Bodies in the Wall, there's a lot more of that. Um, but then it's also really heavy as well. There's some really dark, atonal stuff on it as well. I feel like, I, I was going to say, I feel like as a writer, you can, like, with, with an EP, you want to get, like, all the best ideas in and, like, you know, you got to cram as much as you can into an EP. Yeah. I think with an album, you can flesh it out and you can, like, give those, like, a, you know, those little ideas to a whole song instead of trying to cram them all into one piece, I think, you know, I think there's just more room, lots yeah. of shorter songs, you know what I mean, like, which I don't think we've really done before. Well, yeah, because I feel like uh, the, the last three pieces have kind of fit really well together, because obviously you've really released the uh, Goodbye Dinosaur uh, with the A Playground for Sad Adults EP, yeah. what a through this sort of hassle re-release uh, yeah, situation, yeah. so I feel like, I feel like they fit very nicely together. They're, they're as brother like a, and sister, it's like Goodbye Dinosaur is a brother and Playground is a sister. Oh, okay. That is that they are brother and sister. Any, any particular reason why you kind of assigned um, I feel like did you just assume that EP's gender <laughs> <laughs> so toxic <laughs> we so are toxic, toxic. Kind of but then the, se- the second half of, of, of what, Playground is real emotional real deep cut whereas the first album is very straight to the point very hard straight to the point you know what I mean but getting that you've got weapons yeah but um they are brothers and sisters, holding hands, jumping, like jumping, skipping the hill. That's what they are to go. <laughs> I feel, know? I feel like the first release like with a lot of bands is like it's like the trailer or like the blurb for your yeah. band. Yeah. So like here's like the more instant version of that, you know. Yeah. And I think definitely this record's stepped on. Like I was, li- I was a genuine fan of like their first two records. You know, I've known Dan for a long time, and uh, to be playing those songs live is great. I think that Goodbye Dinosaur pops, man. Oh yeah, for pops, sure, man. for sure. Yeah. So uh, before you go, very quickly, we're gonna um, obviously being here at 2000 Trees. I'm gonna need uh, each of you to pick a number between one and 2000. One and 2000. Yeah, between one and 2000. 2000. Okay, fine. I'm gonna say nine. <laughs> All right. Should we go with 2000 first? What's the, what's the number in between 9 and 2000? <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, I can't even... My quick maths is like, fuck. Quick maths, mate. My little brother, right? He's nine years old, and he taught me how to do my nine times table the other day. I couldn't even do it. He, like, he literally came up to me, and he went, right. Nine times three. Put your fucking third <laughs> finger down on your left hand. Went 20... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Twenty-seven. Oh, well done. That's how, that's how I'd still do it. And I literally was like, "You're a genius." Is that where all the Fox Just songs are in? Yeah. Five, four, six, and like seven, and then it goes up to nine. <laughs> it's like a programmed wiring in my brain. And now you know, nine times stable. The whole new album, next album's gonna be all in nine. I bet you're fucking eight. I'm sorry. I'm gonna fucking up. It's okay. Um, so, so um, uh, number nine on the uh, the bitching question generator. Yep. Um, what is the one thing you wish would grow on trees? 
world peace. Yeah, that's a good one. You just pick it off and then it happens. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And and for number two thousand, uh, what are the unwritten rules of the van when you're on the road? None. Don't nothing. Don't distract. Genuinely, don't distract no. the driver. Yeah, don't distract the driver. We had, we just we had a, our yeah. our guitarist and drummer, his dad Andy, comes around with us a lot. He's been like pretty much like our band main roadie for for a long time, and he's driving us back from uh, a gig. I don't know where the fuck it was. And uh, me, Josh, and Alex are pretty pretty half cut, and we're having a wrestling match in the back of the band, like full on. Like what's, what's the stipulation? Are we talking like tables, ladders, and chairs? Like we're talking cage match. <laughs> oh, fuck. literal cage match. Yeah. Like I'm in. I've got my leg flinging over the seats. Fucking, I'm trying to. They're like, you, you get, get out of this, and you kind of like whatever. Our I'm drummer, our drummer. Am, I, am I swearing too much? No, no, not at all. Our drummer Kieran, like he's younger than all of us, and he went full dad. He just turned yeah. around, and was like, stop it, stop it now. <laughs> So there is basically no rule, but that was the first time we were like, alright, okay, let's maybe not make the driver crash. But yeah, yeah. there we go. That's it. Danny and Alex from Foxjaw there. Now, I may have to put this uh, this picture up on social media. It's not in the artwork for this podcast, but while I was getting my photos done with the band, uh, with Danny and Alex, Danny asked if he could put my nipple in his mouth for a picture. I don't know how we got to that situation. Um, not that I have any issue with it, despite having only, you know, sort of met Danny 15 minutes beforehand, but it sure felt strange. I, I think I may have to put the picture up on, on Instagram of, of what went down. Um, on on that note, uh, Foxjaw's new EP, not even on that note, it's completely unrelated. Foxjaw's new EP is called A Pla- uh, Playground sorry, for Sad Adults. Um, it's out now once again via Hassle Records, who really are killing it right now. And um, the band hit the road with the brilliant Black Peaks in mainland Europe this October. They're doing a few UK shows before then too, so if you get the chance to see them, my God, please take it. Right, um, I can't believe it, but we're already at the end of part one of the 2003 special right here on Bitchin' Brew. Um, of course, we've still got part two uh, to come out and a bonus episode of the Bitchin' Review where Brad and I will be giving you an extensive review of the bands we saw over the course of the weekend. Uh, to round off part one, however, I'm very excited to say that I had uh, the opportunity to sit down for a lovely chat with Damien Sale, uh, lead singer of the St. Pierre Snake Invasion. Now, they were headlining, sub-headlining, sorry, the uh, cave stage um, on the Saturday night. And much like Foxjaw, the St. Pierre Snake Invasion are Bristolian lads. And uh, they've become something of a, of a staple at festivals like uh, Trees and Arctangent, etc., um, now, if you've listened to the last episode of the Bitch and Review, uh, you will know just how I feel about uh, St. Pierre's new album, which is called Caprice Enchante. Um, I'll say no more beyond that, but indeed, if you have heard it, you'll know just how stoked I am to include Damien among my guests for this special. Uh, again, I don't think I really need to say anything beyond that. Just enjoy this my chat with Damien Sale from the St. Pierre Snake Invasion.
like a pretentious friend. So. <laughs> well, yeah, thank you very much for joining me. Damien from the St. Pierre Snake Invasion, welcome to Bitchin' Brew. Thank you very much. And uh, how are you finding your purity, lawless, unfiltered it's lager? It's crisp and refreshing. I like it. Thank, thank you for helping me with the plug. <laughs> It's good. Yeah. If you want a rep, let me know, man. I, think, <laughs> I do. I do this. I work in sales, so it's fine. Yeah. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, yes. Nice. Well, yes. Yeah, so, two thousand trees. Um, it's it's not your first time here, is it? It's, it's just, not my it's, first it's, time at the rodeo, my friend. It's, no. it's just it's been a minute since you guys last played. Here. Uh, it's been two years. Right. Okay. So we played. We played the cave. We opened the cave. Two years on the trot. Then we played the main stage. Uh, and then we've closed the new stage two years ago. Oh, fantastic. Which is great. It was yeah. amazing. I mean, it, it feels not just like a showcase of the best bands in the UK, but almost, and, and internationally as well, there's some brilliant bands from outside the UK yeah. playing today, but it almost feels like a, a sort of a showcase of the Bristol scene yeah, at the moment. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I, think, I think there's... Um, and let's not be around the bush, because idols are massive. And it's what happened, so it happened with um, Sheffield when the Arctic Monkeys got big. Mm. Record labels started looking to Sheffield and yeah. those areas where we had like Kaiser Chiefs, Little Man Tate, all those bands came up through that. And, um, and I think not that record labels are actively in Bristol mm. knocking on the doors of budding musicians, but there is a lot of focus on Bristol at the yeah. moment. Which is helpful for us. I, I'll take it. Yeah, I mean, um, even, even we we chatted this weekend to Fox Jaw and, sure, yeah. uh, and to Sewer as well. We're chatting to them in a bit. Um, has it always kind of been this untapped hotbed of talent, yeah. or is this just something that's sort of no. kind of a lot more recent? No, it's um, so we've been a band for nine years. Idols have been a band for about ten, nine mm. or ten years. Uh, so we met quite early on in our uh, yeah. respective careers. Inverted commas. Uh, and when we first met, we were talking about how there was already, when I got to Bristol, there was already a music scene there. And there were already some like fantastically talented individuals there. But outside of Bristol, the perception was that it's a drum and bass city. Oh, it's really? It's a dance city, yeah. So we've never, you know, when you, and probably to still to some extent, if you ask someone about the Bristol music scene, they'll talk about Portishead and Tricky yeah. and Massive Attack, and for good reason, you know. Yeah. They, they, you know, Portishead created a genre. You know, um, Ronnie Size is one of the most famous proponents of of drum and bass, yeah. if not the most famous. So there's good reason why Bristol has that tag. It's this history. You can't get rid of that. But for bands like us and Idols and Spectres and uh, the other bands that were around when we first started, mm. it was really hard to kind of pierce through that perception. Yeah. Whereas Idols have now kind of opened that door where people can look in and go, well, you've got Lice and Spectres and Heavy Lungs. Oh yeah, I've got about Lice as well, know. obviously. There's yeah. so many bands. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I don't want to talk about Idols too much, but I, I was reading an interview where you said, uh, uh, you said you'd rather that St. Pierre kind of be a Pixies instead yeah. of a Nirvana when you because you, you guys have been friends with Idols for yeah, a long yeah, yeah, time yeah, yeah. and kind of came up through the scene yeah, with yeah. them. We uh, we reviewed Caprice on Chante the other day on the on the Bitchin Review um, and we love it. Congratulations thank you very much. Thank you. on the on the sort of success of it all. Um, and what we were saying was it seems brilliant that just the UK rock music scene at the moment and the alternative scene altogether has all these brilliant bands. It almost feels like it was about ten years ago 
when you have bands like uh, I don't know like Max Raptor were just starting out at that yeah. point and um, oh god who else as well like uh, Hawkeyes yeah, and Blackfish yeah. and all of these bands that were so kind of left of centre and but kind of had a sort of their, their sort of roots still firmly yeah, planted yeah. in hardcore do you think now that commercial success kind of feels ever like ever frequently sort of less obtainable unobtainable for for these sorts of bands uh, that look, it kind of gives you carte blanche to just do whatever you I, want I think for a long time so since since well nearly 20 years of music being streamed on, on online and being readily available it's never there's never now it's never been easier to have your music heard by millions of people mm. around the world. Ne- you know, someone in Sri Lanka can press a button and they can listen to our album yeah. instantly. It's never been easier for that to happen. Unfortunately, it's never been harder to make money from, from, from music. So it depends on, on if, if we're talking, if we're framing success in terms of fiscal, um, fiscal gain or financial gain then yeah it's harder to make it's harder to make money but it's easier in terms of success to reach a, uh, a broader audience and for us you know we the bands that we listened to weren't massive so we we were like well we haven't got a label we haven't got a manager we haven't got an agent there's no one telling us you need to get these figures up yeah to, to, for us to get our return on the investment so we were like we can do whatever we want we yeah. can do whatever we want there's, and there's suddenly less of an urge to, to almost compromise yeah yeah there's, well we you know we've never we've never compromised we've never we've been we've been playing here for five six years we've never sounded like any of the bands that yeah. we've been playing with intentionally so and you know we so, you know commercial success was never kind of something we thought about it was always if it came that'd be great but yeah. it'd be on our own terms yeah exactly you know, um, I'm not going to start spiking my hair and start singing writing songs about girls to get interest from a label you know, yeah. I think. and I think we've got a dedicated fan base who would definitely disown us yeah so, you're so. something of a cult name here yeah, at this yeah. point I quite like it I quite like that yeah yeah um, so Caprice Enchante you've been quite vocal about the, the sort of fairly arduous mm. process of making the album um, did you find those those sort of frustrations I mean let's say for example I know that you you blew your voice out (laughs) during the recording and uh, you've had things like lineup changes which have been you know pretty so so it's not necessarily been plain sailing for you guys in the sort of making and leading up to the release of this album because how long has it been now since the album was finished like two years two Two, two and a half years did you did you find that these actually these frustrations are actually quite conducive for the performance of these songs yeah. particularly live yeah yeah I, I, I um, the, the album's about the frustrations of music and losing your identity to age and so those songs were written a long time ago and then the frustration of not having so the songs about losing your identity in part to age and then I made an album when I was 32 and it was released when I was 35 <laughs> so that definitely was when I'm singing those songs it's it is yeah I I've, I feel it because yeah. like it's, they're, they're, the older they get the more frustrated yeah. I've become that like, it took so long but 
yeah, it definitely informed informs the uh, the performance. It was when I when we were seeing the Wild Hearts yesterday mm. on the main stage, who were fantastic, yeah. and that new album is like the best album they've done in arguably about 15 years. Yeah. Um, what what we kind of said, and obviously you've got a few years to go before this. They're all in their early fifties now, yeah, well, and they they play with the energy of a band that are like half their age. They play like they're still in the early nineties yeah, yeah. and that that sort of age. But their their songs are kind of done in a way that they're they're almost growing old gracefully. Yeah. It doesn't sound like they're trying to be twenty five year olds. That's the only way to do it. As, yeah. soon, as soon as they start doing that, then it's this it's over. There's nothing. So I used to think that there was nothing worse than seeing a 30 or 40 year old man still trying to to make it yeah and now I'm approaching 40 <laughs> 35 if anyone's watching uh, my, my opinion on that has changed some, slightly so there's nothing wrong with there's still something not quite right about seeing a 30 or 40 seeing a 30 or 40 year old man trying to appeal to young people I think is yeah. is the bit if you're you know if you're like Mark Hoppus, for instance, writing songs about teenagers. That's a, not only is that a little bit creepy, but it's uh, it's also a little bit what's the word I'm looking for? Cynical. There's a bit of cynicism to it. But I think if you're if you're 50 years old and you want to still write heavy music, and it's you're writing about your experiences, and that's all you care about, fair enough. When you're starting to write about your 20s then that's when it gets a little bit kind of distasteful. Well, with that in mind, I guess that kind of poses the question, does it does it feel like Caprice Enchante is even kind of fully representative of what Saint-Pierre are at this point? Because, uh, I mean, in that two years since finishing the album, I assume you've been writing music. I, well, yeah, since. I hope it's very true. So, right, it's funny. So, I wasn't allowed, when we finished that album, I would go to rehearsals and say like look I've got this new song or I've got these two new songs <laughs> I've got like I've found the new sound for the third album I've got that and the, the lads outright were like absolutely not showing us these songs you're not showing us <laughs> so they're like we are not how dare you be progressive no no they were, they were, and, and I'm thankful of it because what we did on the first album we, we were playing songs on the, we played Capri Sochante and Re mystery at the at our first album launch after so we did the, we did our album and we're like right here's some new stuff as well for the wow. second so with this one they were like no let's keep it succinct where we're only playing songs off the new album but yeah but we've got um, so we, in my head this this new album is the old Saint Pierre almost. To the guys that this is Saint Pierre. To yeah. everyone else is Saint Pierre. To me, I can. I've already got all the songs in my head. Yeah. Ready to go, so I know where it goes next. You know. Mm. So you you are going on tour with Cassells. Yeah. Is that, that how you should... say their name? I've known Jim for quite a while. Oh, right? okay. Yeah. I was going to say, do you know the brothers at all? Yeah, I did an interview with him uh, Wednesday night. Okay. I just I because Cassell. I always thought it's Cassells, and then I've heard other people say Castles, and then oh. I don't know, I watched that documentary they did a little while back. Right. And it's Cassells. I, I think it's Cassells. Good. It's okay. The, it's better. Well, that's. Sorry. I no, did. that's good. So you're going on tour with them and. Good Cassells, yeah. That's excellent. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously, though. Um, I mean, going out and sharing sharing the stage with a band that kind of feels like in the same position to you as well, yeah. music that is 
very much sort of framed by frustration. Yeah. It, but from a slightly different perspective. Well, I think well, I think they're considerably younger than we are. So, uh, but uh, I think. Yeah, but in the the podcast that we did, so the, we did a, a Skype interview where Jim and I interviewed each other. So we prepared questions mm. and and his and I kind of got the sense that he is struggling with a lot of the things that I've tried to kind of unpack through writing our album in terms of like, am I going to be satisfied? Will I ever be satisfied? Is there much point in doing this? I think he's, I think he has a very similar approach to it in that I've always wanted to do our own thing but I've never been comfortable with being like a DIY band you know yeah. I'm not you know we've never been on a label or anything like that yeah because I was going to say it's self-released yeah. on Trante, isn't it? yeah but that's not free choice it's not because we're like stoically DIY it's because no one gave a shit no one wanted to put put it out so I've always wanted to grow and grow as much as possible and I think he wants that but you have to kind of come to terms when you make music like theirs and music like ours it's it's not going to be for everyone and you're not you know it's about managing your expectations and, and being grateful of the opportunities that you are given mm-hmm. I think you could drive yourself mental thinking about well why aren't I playing Glastonbury yeah it's like well you're playing 2000 Trees and five or six years ago when you weren't playing 2000 Trees you were thinking, why aren't I playing 2000 Trees? Yeah, so, exactly. You know, so it's like keeping it relative. And so, um, so Damien, thank you very much for joining me on Bitch no and Bruce today. Before you go, I must ask you to uh, pick uh, a number between one and 2000 for our bitching question generator. Okay. <clears throat> I'll go for one and 2000. I'll go for 1902. 1902. Um, what are the unwritten rules of the van when St. Pierre are on the road? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would like to say it's not defecating, but <laughs> don't don't shit in the van. Don't shit in your pants. Yeah. Uh, there aren't any. I mean, actually, there is a rule. There is a rule. It's unwritten, but it is a rule. So Paddy, our guitarist, on several occasions has surreptitiously tried to consume a homemade egg mayonnaise sandwich in the van. <laughs> to, dear, dear listener, I am I am retching right now. Yeah, to to much much uh, chagrin, disdain, yeah, and uh, vigorous complaint. Uh, ah, yeah, I think I yeah, I think that's it was, the worst van food as well. We were just, I was just. I remember, I remember, it was so traumatising that I remember sitting in the back being, in the back of the van, Paddy was driving, and I was like, who the fuck, who the fuck has just, who's eating the fucking egg, who's got egg, who the fuck is eating egg, and he's like, oh, I've just got an egg mayonnaise sandwich, I was like, fucking throw out the window now, <laughs> and yourself, throw yourself out the window as well, <laughs> fucking egg mayonnaise sandwich in the van. Yeah, absolutely yeah. rotter. <laughs> well, cheers, baby. It's yeah. been lovely chatting to you. Absolutely.
And just like that, we have reached the end of part one of Bitch and Brews 2003 special, and what a way to end it. The St. Pierre Snake Invasion's new album is called Caprice Enchanté, and that's out now. Again, if you want to hear just what I think of that record, then go back and listen to the latest episode of the Bitch and Review that went out just before 2003's, and you know, it's arguably the best episode of the Bitch and Review yet, and I know we say that with every episode that we put out, but that's only because it's just getting better and better every time and I've I've no shame in saying that um, go and catch St. Pierre on tour as well they're doing a co-headliner with Cassells across the UK at the end of September beginning of October um, so get down to a fucking show you twats um, that was probably way more antagonistic than it needed to be. Right, okay, thanks to Damien and, um, of course, to all my other guests for part one of the 2003 special. Make sure you're subscribed because next week I'll be bringing you part two um, and that will be featuring chats with Sir, uh, who played two sets over Tree's Weekend, including one on the main stage. Uh, we'll also be talking to Delair the Liar, who were... a Big talking point following their set on the new stage. Um, and the phenomenal Brutus, who made their, their sort of well-earned main stage debut this year at Trees. And, oh boy, I cannot wait to talk about that. Of course, I am going to have to wait because I'm going on a fucking well-deserved holiday for a few days. Uh, but when I get back, I will be meeting up with Brad Thorne, my co-host of The Bitch and Review. And we will be talking about all the bands that we saw at Trees. And believe me... That was a fuck ton of bands. So, uh, so yeah, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on whatever platform you use uh, to hear that first. And um, before I go, I want to give another thanks to Purity Brewing Co. for the beers. Um, if you want to try the Bunny Hop Unfiltered Pale Ale or the Lawless Unfiltered Lager or any other of the, of the fantastic beers that they make, then head over to puritybrewing.com and get yourself some great beers with real character. However, if you do do that, don't forget to drink responsibly and just don't be a bellend. Simple as that. Um, if you like this episode, whether you were at Trees or not this year, uh, whether you're a first-time listener or a, a long-time devotee, uh, then share this podcast with your mates on social media. I depend on it. Bitch and Brew depends on it. I don't have any uh, advertising budget or anything like that. The the sort of the quote-unquote success of this podcast, for lack of a better phrase, uh, depends on how loud we all shout about it on things like Twitter and Facebook. So yeah, if you like this, tell your friends and they may like it too. Um, I'm going to go now because I'm tired and I feel my voice going again. Uh, thanks for nothing, Silent Disco. Um, but don't forget, subscribe and stay tuned to uh, for, for part two of my 2003 special and our coverage of the festival on the Bitchin' Review. I've been Danny Randon, this has been Bitchin' Brew, and until next time, don't forget to be loud, be kind, and be bitchin'.